Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. Seasonality is an important aspect of cheesemaking. For this episode, we look at winter cheeses, looking at cheeses that are only available in the winter months or at their best in winter with acclaimed cheesemonger Andy Swinsko of the Courtyard Dairy and Rachel Sills of Kaiser Swiss, a Swiss cheese importer. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. This morning on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me cheesemonger Andy Swinsko of the Courtyard Dairy. Good morning, Andy. Morning. Andy, this week on A Slice of Cheese, we're looking at winter cheeses. And even, and you know, we talk about sort of seasonality in cheese, don't we? But I think mm. a lot of people, it's so interesting to sort of unpick it a little bit and explain why there are some cheeses that come into their own in the winter months and perhaps what, you know, what some of those cheeses are. Do you think you could set that scene for us a little bit? Yeah, I think it's not only that cheese is seasonal in the very nature of that some cheeses are made more to be consumed in the winter and they come into their ripeness in the winter, but mm-hmm. also the very nature of cheeses that are made all year round. The ones that are eaten in the winter, well, it depends on the age of the cheese, but for example, like your Stiltons and your, and your Lancashire's and your Wednesdale's, traditionally they're about three months old, so that's kind of your best flush of grass in the summer. So mm-hmm. not only is it cheeses that come into season, like Bastran, obviously the most famous, Obviously, it's some cheeses like Stilton, Lancashire, Wensdale, they come into their very own because seasonally-wise, the best grass, the best milk historically would have meant the cheese was perfectly ripe, ready for that, that winter period. Right, that is really interesting. And you mentioned Vacherat, which I think, I must admit that for me, that immediately leaps to mind if someone said, you know, it's a winter cheese, you know, it's a treat because I only see it, you know, in the winter months. And so tell us a bit more about Vacherat Mont d'Or. Or, or in fact, I just said Vacherat Mont d'Or. Is it, they're different Vacherats, aren't well, they? Yeah, to, to, yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, the French and <laughs> Switzerland have come to some, some, some great agreement where one can call it Vacherat the whole dubs and one can call it Mondor and one can call it Vacheron Mondor. So they, but, but basically yeah. it's two sides of the same 
mountain, the Golden Mountain, Mont d'Or. And yeah, so it's, uh, I can't remember what the festival is, but on the day of when the first Vacheron can be eaten, I think they take it up to the top of the mountain and have a service. But yeah, oh. so it's um, it's quite an interesting little little period. But the French and the Swiss, to be, to be fair, I mean, obviously the French is probably the most renowned nowadays, have done a fabulous job of keeping that cheese seasonal when, as we understand about cheese making and as we can alter milk composition and we can alter farming, we most cheeses have kind of not become seasonal. And, and the differences that we did see throughout the seasons have been kind of ironed out and removed. And, and you've seen that in a lot of cheeses that they are the same all year round or they're similar all year round because we can affect milk composition, we can affect what cows are eating. And so mm-hmm. Vacheron probably could at this stage be made all year round, but the French have insisted that it is made traditionally with its seasons. And, and I quite mm-hmm. like that. And there was a reason it was made with its seasons, as there was a reason for many cheeses. You know, we again, obviously have a northern focus in what I do, but you know, Wensdale, Cheshire, were traditionally made in the spring and the summer and consumed in the winter as well. But that has all gone, as was Gloucester, you know, yeah. because that was when the grass was at its best and it was poor. It was difficult to make good quality cheese in the winter when cows were indoors and fed on poor quality silage. But those differences yeah. have become eliminated in all cheeses, really, apart from, apart from Vacheron. So that's interesting. They've, so they've hung on to that. So what's the... So And we talked about the mountain. So is that... Yeah. Tell us more about the, the making of, of Vacheron and, and, the, and the pasture... I suppose, you yeah. know, and that sort of grossness that, that lies at the reason of its seasonality. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the, the, the Vacheron remains a seasonal cheese because that area of the world is renowned for kind of Comte or Griot production, depending on which side of the mountain you're on. And Comte and Griot production needs a lot of milk, number one, mm-hmm. and it doesn't need too rich fatty milk um, because, believe it or not, Comte and Griot, I like Parmesan, are made from they hand skimmed the milk because too much mm-hmm. fat in your milk doesn't produce a cheese which will, will age for a long time. And, right. and Comptes and Griots were designed to make big hard cheeses, often in cooperatives rather than farmers, actually. Um, yep. When the glass, grass was at its plentiful, when the cows were out at pasture, when there was lots more milk because it's the more grass, more sunshine, you can produce more milk, you can make bigger cheeses and you can move about a lot more so you can pull your milk. And then right. the autumn comes. And the cows start to come down the mountain. Uh, the, the the grass isn't growing as plentiful, so there's less grass about. You often bring your cows, start to bring your cows indoors. Um, so you're feeding them on perhaps, actually a lot of people don't realise this, but when you bring a cow indoors, you quite often feed it on, on richer feed. Because when it's outdoors, it is um, not necessarily richer in flavour, but richer in kind of fat production. Because when it's outdoors, yeah. it has to rip the grass up, it has to move around, you know, it has to chew that grass whereas when it's indoors you bring the food to it you know and it's it, yeah. it's already cooked for it it's already semi-digested so the in the autumn the cows start to come down the mountain often kept indoors they're given richer feed because you know the, the snow is coming the, the dark winter months are coming and traditionally they would be at the end of their lactation so traditionally a cow would be carved early spring and milked throughout the summer and then at the end of its lactation which means it's starting to dry off ready to yep. be carved again the next spring and those kind of the perfect storm of richer feed being indoors being warmer and the end of the lactation produce a milk which is rich rich in fat and they produce mm. less milk so that milk isn't great for producing comte which is the or griot which is the cheese in the region and yeah. because they start to be cut off from the cooperatives where the big cheeses were made uh, and pooling their milk they had to kind of make cheeses in their own homes and cheeses and they were still moving down the chalet so they made small little cheeses that are right. fast to make that suit that style of milk uh, and that yeah. is what Vacheron is. You know, it's, it suits richer milk, it suits lesser quantities, yeah, and, and it matures fast. And so, and really, historically, it wasn't a cheese that um, we would leave the Alps. It was a cheese to be, you know, as you move down the mountain, to eat in, in, the, in, the, in the family households. And, and that's where it really was for. 
Uh, it's only really, I think, with the advent of skiing holidays where we've got up into the Alps and found these cheeses ah. that we've decided we wanted to start to bring it out. And that's yeah, been coupled with the, the advent of refrigeration. So before, and these cheeses don't transport. You know, they can't. You yeah. imagine a Vacheron in the days before refrigeration. You, you, <laughs> yes. you know, it, it wouldn't make yeah. it to London. It wouldn't sure. make it to Paris even. It would barely yeah. even make it to, you know, the, the cities in the, in the Comte region. So mm-hmm. refrigeration. That's the point, isn't it? Yes. Skiing holidays have meant that we've started to have those cheeses, which traditionally these Vacherons are the preserve of the of the farmers up in the, in the, in, in the Comte and the Swiss region. And are they, and they're legally protected? I mean, it, and it sounds obviously that, that you know you talked about the Swiss and the French and an agreement and so they're legally is their production protected yeah I think I can't remember off the top of my head but I think it's something like 11 producers of Vacheron Montdor on the Swiss on the French side Um, and they have to be produced in that region you know to a a fairly similar recipe and the dates that they can be produced and sold are controlled as well really to follow the echoes of what that season used to be so really middle of August is when the cows start to dry off start to come well, some of them will start to come down to their lower chalets from their high chalets um really running into september but for me that i always feel like vacheron's a bit like beaujolais nouveau with, of the old where there's this rush to get the first vacheron on the um i think it's mm. the 15th of september but those aren't the best ones i mean october uh, november yeah, for me yeah. give it some time cows right. richer milk you know it, yeah. it, it's you know wait yes that's so interesting, yes. So actually just hang on a little bit and be patient and then you're going to get be rewarded, yeah. I had, um, I went to a Swiss, there was a workshop given by a Swiss cheesemaker and he brought one of his own, uh, I think it was third generation, and he brought a Vacherin and it was just the most glorious Vacherin. It was so good, like I wanted to dive into it because it was just this amazing, sort of really sort of voluptuous and rich. And then the funny thing was then someone, then it was open up to audience questions and someone said, do you make any half fat cheeses? And, and it was just such an extraordinary question to ask him because, and his face, he was just so shocked. And he was like, half, he's about the fattest flavour. Um, if you want half fat, just eat it every other day. You know, it was just like, <laughs> yeah, that was, which is a really good, good answer, I think. I mean, and how do you like serving veteran or how do, how do people, I mean, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I went, I went up into the Alps and uh, there's, as I said, there's 11 veteran producers in, in, in France, so this, give or take, I think it might be 13. And they're all different. A lot of people don't realise that the, the name Vacheron or Montdor mm-hmm. is kind of synonymous with one cheese. But the, like there is Parmesan and there's Parmesan and there's cheddar and there's cheddar, the Vacheron producers do vary. It's more control uh-huh. because the French government has a level of control. But I really like the saint Richard ones, which are, are made by in Metabeef. We stop them as does Mons, as does La Fromagerie uh-huh. in London. And I find those are, theirs a bit more rich and a bit more decadent. They kind of say they're a bit more old-fashioned Vacherons where people have made the flavours a bit more approachable. Oh, and I went to visit that yeah. Vacheron producer many years ago. And yeah. I, um, I was a young man then. And, well, hopefully I still am a little bit young, but I was, I was definitely younger. Um, <laughs> younger, so yeah. And, and I went, yeah. oh, you bake Vacheron, don't you? And he's never looked at me with such a level of disgust. And he went, only the Parisians <laughs> bake my cheese. It does not need baking when it's perfect. You know, so it's, yeah. um, so it's, a, it's yeah. an interesting. But, but most people do still bake Vacheron and it's fabulous yeah. baked. Yeah, but his opinion is that it's, 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 it's like like with Reblochon producers have a very similar opinion in that yeah. if the cheese is perfect, it should be served yeah. at room temperature, and at that stage, it will already be unctuous enough, and you'll get a better, richer depth of flavour oh, than, than, than you might yes. do from baking it. Yeah, I can I can see where they're coming from. Yes, I might have to experiment with both, both, yeah. and just see see where that takes me. And we talked what are other winter cheese, and I was just thinking, Andy, as you know, as a cheesemonger, sending wonderful cheeses. Are there 
you know, and you talked already, which is so interesting hearing that some of them are at their best, you know, certain traditional British cheeses are absolutely at their best in, these, in this winter season. What are some of the things that you enjoy stocking and, you know, selling in, in the, sh- in, I mean, you know, at Courtyard? I think there's something, there's something just nice in the winter about eating blue cheese. I think that it's a time for sitting in front of a fire with a glass of a water, like a nice red wine or, or, or a sweetened red wine like Porto Banyols mm-hmm. and, a, and a rich creamy blue cheese. I just think that's a nice experience. You know, I, and that's that's when I enjoy actually blue cheese at its best personally. I mean, in the spring, it's nice in the salad and things like that. But, you know, blue cheese's age profile is classically somewhere between two or three months. So that kind of brilliant summer milk will be coming to ripeness of cheese in November, December. Um, yeah. So I think that's a great winter cheese for me. Blue cheese kind of sings with the with the winter. Mm. And being where we are, I mean, I love the seasonal nature of, of cheese, but also how it ties into tradition and, and where we are in the north. We're, I think we're probably one of the few cheese shops in the world. Its biggest selling lines at Christmas aren't Brie and Cheddar and, and particularly Stilton, which, you know, most people, yeah, most cheese shops in the world, they will tell you what Stilton is the biggest selling cheese at Christmas. Yeah. But yeah. for us, it's Cumbly cheese. It's either Wensdale or Lancashire because, oh. uh, and that's historically that's the traditions of this region because people have it with fruit cake. And traditionally, you make yeah. the fruit cake again in the in the summer when everything's plentiful and it's then yeah. preserved, and then you eat it in the winter when there's less food about, and you eat it with your cheese, yeah. which was made in the summer. And, you know, and that's historically what we've done in the Dales for hundreds of years, if you look back at the history. And yes. so we said the biggest selling cheese for his other Christmas is Cumbly's, and there's something quite nice again about a thick slab of a a soaked fruit cake with a nice crumbly fresh zesty cheese. I went to, I was a student at York and I'd come from London to York and went to Betty's, you know, the famous tea room and was sort of astonished to see fruitcake with Wensleydale cheese, but try, you know, which I'd never come across and, 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 and I tried it and I was like, and it's, it is, as you say, it's such a lovely combination, isn't it? Because the, that sort of the delicacy and slight lemoniness of a, of a Wensleydale with, you know, with a rich fruitcake. It's just a beautiful, yeah. it's a mix of the flavours and the textures. They just work so well together, don't they? And I, yeah, and I love the fact that these, these traditions, are, I mean, like most of these kind of food traditions, they are actually the preserve of the of the common people. You know, that's what they, Christmas mm. Day breakfast, believe it or not, in Nidderdale and, and the Yorkshire was Christmas cake and a piece of cheese. That would be your breakfast on Christmas Day if you look back in the history. It's not okay. some recent thing, and that's that. That's yeah. always that was what the tradition was of this area. Now, I can't think of anybody that has Christmas cake and cheese for breakfast on Christmas Day. <laughs> um, but effectively, you know, that that was the tradition of the area, and I, I really like the fact that um, we do these things. I mean, they've evolved from there, but we do these things because you know, there was a reason for them historically. Yes. Um, and, and they were once the preserve of the kind of working classes, but now they seem to be the preserve of kind of people who really enjoy food and have reinvigorated these traditions. Yeah, very true. You know, and you've done a lot of work, Andy, to work with cheesemakers and help them, you know, give them a lot of advice and guidance so that they're developing cheeses. So are some of those cheeses that you've sort of helped, you know, I don't know, sort of helped bring along or, or create, are, are they wonderful winter cheeses in your in your mind? I mean, the Wensleydale types particularly, as we've mentioned, but then a lot of the other ones are slightly fresher cheeses. So it's kind of, there is a bit of a dearth. And I think that's why Bashwan is such a fabulous cheese, because a lot of the soft cheeses, a lot of the fresh goats and sheeps go away. And so you're yeah. lacking a little bit. So, but then you have this rich thing come in from the side, which is Vacheron. I think that's kind of big. When things get a little bit tight everywhere else, the Vacheron comes into its fall. And I think that's one of yeah. the reasons. Yeah. So, I, I, yeah, it's really Vacheron, blue, and, and, and what I would consider like young British territorial cheeses. Those are kind of, yeah. For me, got- that's when they're at their best. Yes, and you talked about Wensleydale, and then they, these, they are makers, aren't they, who are making Wensleydale-inspired cheeses, you know, and that's yeah. it's one of the exciting things, isn't it? So that, you know, 
reinvigorating that, sort of breathing new life into that Wensleydale tradition, the Dale's cheese tradition, um, which is such a sort of long, venerable history. So that must be very um, exciting for you to see that. Yeah, I mean, it's a fabulous, uh, yeah, it's a fabulous recreation. I think, um, you know, it's it's one of Britain's cheeses. It, you know, it's part of Britain's tradition. You look at traditional British cheeses and you can't not mention Wensleydale alongside, you know, Stilton, Cheddar, Lancashire, Gloucester, Leicester. And to not have a farm producer of it for fifty years on in in the Yorkshire Dales, I think was yeah. a, was a travesty. And, I, and I'm all for larger scale producers and factory producers and and, and commercial production. Yeah. But I think that it's um you know we we needed a traditional example, and and to ha- now have three, yeah, I think is a brilliant sign of the resurgence and and shows how traditions can can be re- rediscovered. Now they're probably not the same as they were 100 years ago, but you know the fact that we are trying to reinvigorate what is part of Britain's social history. I think that's an important thing. Good. Well, brilliant. Well, Andy, thank you, because it's such a busy time for cheesemongers. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us. Thank you, Andy. No problem at all. Take care then. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers, and they always feature on my Christmas cheese board. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Visit petersyard.com forward slash shop. Enter the code slice of cheese at the checkout to receive 25% off your first order. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Enhance your cheese board with Peters Yard sourdough crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com, and specialist food retailers. Before we go on exploring the world of cheese, here's news of another Food FM programme that I think you'd really enjoy. Thank you, Jenny. Well, I'm David, the host of The Drinking Hour here on Food FM. Each week, we explore the wonderful world of wine, spirits, and beer, all things that make wonderful pairings with cheese, of course. We hear from those for whom making drinks is a passion. So after your cheese course, how about you join me for a few drinks? You can find The Drinking Hour with David Kermode on your usual podcast platform and at foodfmradio.com. Now it's back to Jenny and a slice of cheese. Very happy to have with me today Rachel Sills, founder of Kaiser Swiss, a company based in Switzerland that exports Swiss cheeses to countries including the UK. Good morning, Rachel. Good morning. Good morning. Great to have you on the show, Rachel. And I am lucky enough to have gone to Bermondsey to where you've got one of your your warehouse outlets for your amazing Swiss cheeses. And it's a real revelation, actually. The, The quality of what I've try and buy there. It's amazing. This week we're looking at the whole idea of winter cheeses and I thought it'd be very appropriate to have you on the show because I did sort of think, oh, I think I think people think Switzerland, snow, winter. And that was my train of Absolutely. Thought, Absolutely. So tell me, and I just thought, you know, so many of the there's so many iconic Swiss cheeses and I know one of the things that makes them iconic is this whole tradition of alpine grazing which seemed to sort of tie in this idea of seasonality that the I'm not sure in fact I was in order to ask you is that mm. makes sense is it cheeses that are made in the summer that are then eaten in the winter or is that is it not quite right is that am I wrong there no I don't think so I think we have the pleasure at the moment of of eating cheese that was often made in the not the summer of this year but the summer of the year before and mm. that's that's along the lines of the um, Gruyers, the Alpage, and the Etivars, but but also um, other cheeses like the Bernese um, Alpine cheeses. 
So, so there is this tradition that things, well, optimum at this time of year, um, maybe not in the past because cheese was eaten as soon as winter came, you ate the summer production. But nowadays we have this, this leisure that we can mature mm. and try and go for these quite wonderful flavours. And summer cheese just seems to have the edge, um, certainly with the Gruyers and the Bernese Alp cheeses, in terms of milk quality and flavour coming from those quite wonderful alpine pastures where you've got, you know, sometimes up to 120 different types of plants growing that the cows and sheep and goats are grazing on. Wonderful. I mean, that's so interesting, though, that tradition of, you know, the of taking, which must be a lot of work, you know, taking the livestock up in, to, to eat this beautiful, lush pasture and sort of prizing the result. I mean, it's very impressive that it's being sustained in this way. Yes, I think it's like anything. It's, it's a way of life that as long as people are, are willing to do it, will continue. But there's the pressures from, from modern life where it's slightly less easy to spend a whole um, summer up on the alpine pastures when you're in a chalet with no electricity and um, very limited uh, facilities. But the promise of this kind of wonderful product coming from the season and the necessity to keep the alpine pastures alive and, and that way of life will probably see it continue well into the future. Good. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the idea of summer milk and this richness. But you, so you, you, you know, you must be tasting an awful lot of Swiss cheese, but you can really taste, you know, this is a genuine, this is not a sort of a fan. I mean, it sounds so beautiful and idyllic, but this is a real difference that you detect. It, it, it is. It is. Um, I'm, I'm not the best person to describe flavour. I'm, I'm a good person to taste flavour. And mm. I mean, an example is we went, I went down to do the selection of our, our sort of, our normal Gruyere, which is produced at around a thousand meters um, all year round. So much more sort of what you call normal pastures. And um, what we noticed was the cheeses coming through now, which were made in August, are distinctly different than the cheeses mm. we had about five months ago. And there's this, well, first you taste the milk, which is a hard thing to describe, but you taste the milk and you get a complexity of flavors that, um, you know, in a, in a cheese that's made in, uh, say, the winter months, it's a bit more rounded. Whereas the ones we tasted from August were, were floral and they were a bit vegetally a little bit smoky they had a slight pungency there was just more things going on but i wouldn't want to say that that Alp alpine summer milk is only um great if the cheese is made well and the animals mm. are looked after well and then it's matured in great condition so it's it is it is a um perfect storm where <laughs> everything comes together and <laughs> yes and you have this I see nice what you're moment they're locked and then in yeah and then in the in the winter months we we're more inclined to eat more cheese uh especially in the uk it definitely um consumption goes up and we're also more inclined to eat these kind of flavorful um uh, matured cheeses because it suits mm. the winter months saying that though that that kind of goes against then also the the Vacheron Mont d'Or, which is 
which is in season in the Christmas months, um, which is not a, a heavily matured hard cheese. <laughs> yeah, no, yes, that's got different pleasures, hasn't it? But I know what you mean. I mean, yes. you want that that fl- that depth of flavour is. There's something very lovely about it on a cold. One well, thing is, I always find cheese really cheers me up. So like when it's grey and cold and wet and grim, then a bit of beautiful cheese that packs a lot of flavour is just something, you know, will put a sort of smile on my face. I'm very, well, yeah, very susceptible. And, and, what do you, <laughs> and what do you want on a cold day? You want some gratin, you know. You want um, sliced potatoes with cream and gruyere on it, um, baked in the oven. That, that sort of food is, is, is perfect for grey, cold weather. Yes, and so I wanted to ask you about in Switzerland, you know, given that you live in Switzerland, how is cheese eaten in the winter months? Is there a shift from how it's eaten, you know, in the summer to, to winter? Do, do these sort of warm, comforting dishes start to come come up? Yeah, they, they certainly do. I mean, the Swiss do eat a lot of cheese in the summer as well, and, and they will eat raclette in the summer and, and some fondue. Um, but certainly if you look in the supermarkets with even at that level, there's a influx of products for melting, mm. whether it's raclette or fondue. So, so I would say yes, but they, the, the sort of big thing is um, the Vacheron Montdor season when it starts, which is I think the release date in Switzerland is the 17th of September. That's, that's kind of the catalyst for, okay, we're, we're going up to Christmas now and it's all about uh-huh. baking cheeses in the oven um, and sort of um, oozing, <laughs> oozing out <laughs> yes. and dipping with yeah. bread and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, yeah, quite. I want to tell me about fondue because I was just thinking of Asterix in Switzerland <laughs> came to mind there and people sort of jumping into you know bathing in vats of cheese so what, what are the are there what is the classic cheese for a fondue in Switzerland the the classic for me people often think it's Emmentaler but actually it's not mm-hmm. I mean if you're from Emmental then you'll quite often have Emmentaler in your fondue because it's local but yeah. um, for everywhere else one of the most popular is um, Moitié Moitié, which is half Gruyère and half Vacheron Fribourgeois, which is oh. a, a sort of semi-soft, um, slightly lactic, uh, yogurty flavoured um, cheese, which melts very well. And in fact, with the Vacheron Fribourgeois production in Switzerland, around 70% is used for fondue production. Um, wow. Which is a good and bad thing. I think uh, in, the, in the bad thing is that because it's used for fondue production, perhaps the quality could be a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But it also the, the good thing is, is that um, there's still a lot of scope for cheesemakers to make fashion free bourgeois and there's a good market for it. But then on top of that, there are some really fabulous fashion free bourgeois makers. So it's also an eating cheese and not necessarily a fondue right. cheese. But, but fondue yeah. with a mix of those two cheeses is pretty fabulous. It's got a nice balance of um, velvetiness from the Vacheron and then a bit of piquancy from the Gruyere. With that, it's very easy. People get quite worried about fondue. It's not difficult. There's the kind of French thinking of how to do it, and then there's the Swiss thinking of how to do it. And the Swiss like to have not too much wine, so sometimes about a quarter of the weight of cheese is wine. So for let's mm-hmm. say for 800 grams for four people, 
um, they would put about 200 mils of wine in. And mm -hmm. in Switzerland, we like it to be uh, sort of a good consistency. So they'll always put in a little teaspoon of corn flour or flour. Ah, um, to stabilize it. To, right. Yeah, to stabilize it? a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because they're quite obsessed about how it sits on the bread, how it sits on the potato. <laughs> so you need, oh, so they want a really good consistency. And for those people who don't like wine or don't want alcohol, there is a recipe which is an old recipe where they use water instead of um, Gosh. wine, and they just use Vacher and Free Bourgeois. And um, one of my suppliers, that's, that's how they make fondue all the time, with water. Mm. And it's delicious, you know. But then the, the French way, which is not to, usually not to use a binder like the cornflower, and usually to have a lot more wine, where you oh. get often that you're dipping the bread through the wine sometimes into the cheese. And, I mean, that's fabulous too. So <laughs> either yeah. way, it's um, <laughs> it's not a difficult thing to make. Lots of – but you need – presumably you do need a fondue kit, do you? I mean, table, top, heater of you, some sort, you, do you? You do because, I mean, we always start ours off on the stove. So do the, the melting and the combining yeah. on the stove and then transfer it to the table. And But you can improvise if you don't have one and get some tea lights and oh, just use an ordinary pot. It's not, you know, I mean, it's good to have the right equipment, but it's not um, the end of the world if you don't. You can, you can, you can keep that cheese bubbling. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Excellent. Well, I must say, yes, that's making me feel very tempted. It's something I want to try. Why? Well, I mean, Switzerland's got wonderful wines, isn't it? Um, which often you don't really come abroad. That's the impression I get, that they're, the Swiss enjoy them <laughs> themselves. And yeah, what, So a nice yeah. sort of a dry, what, a sort of dry white wine then in the fondue? A dryish white wine. I mean, yeah. you know, it's that rule of thumb. If you wouldn't drink it, don't use it in cooking. <laughs> Um, yeah. So I think nothing, nothing too, too crazy aromatic. Just a light wine. If you're happy to yeah. have a glass of it while you're cooking, then it's it's good to use. This is getting better and better. Lovely. Okay, I'm <laughs> liking this. And do, do cheese sales in Switzerland are there particular cheeses that in the run in the way that you know Stilton at Christmas time is a massive bestseller in Britain? Are there cheeses in in Switzerland that become massive bestsellers? You know, for Christmas. Probably the Vacheron Montdor, um, right? Because that's been an, a tradition for winter months for well for many many years. I, I, do you know what? Do you know about the Vacheron Montdor? I come from the school of I only know Swiss <laughs> Vacheron Montdor. Yes, which which the the point of difference for everyone is they say ah the Swiss one's pasteurized and the uh, French one is raw milk. When actually the Swiss one is, is thermized, which is uh -huh. they they treat the milk to fifty five degrees, so it's definitely not not raw milk, but it's not quite pasteurized. I think the special thing about Vacheron Dor in Switzerland is it's still quite small production. Um, uh -huh. So so you're getting something from a village cheesemaker who's buying milk local milk from say ten farmers. But it's, I mean, just to, to recap, it's, it's just a, it's a soft, um, luscious, washed rind cheese. 
circled in spruce bark so you get that mm. piney resinous flavor coming I, through i love that piney flavor i mean some, uh, some british cheese are starting to do it it's just such a lovely yeah. note it's something very thrilling about it i think in a cheese um, Ex exactly yeah, sorry, carry on. <laughs> and, and and i mean it's got that beautiful texture it's all about you you open it you open up the box because it comes in a wooden box and inside is this wash rind that's cheese that's kind of squeezed into the box so it's it's got a textured sort of sort of shape it's like sort of and rippled, yes exactly and then once you cut through the rind the, the crust let's say underneath is this um, sort of even almost like very very heavy double cream consistency so it has that uh, that idea of luxury I suppose is, is, yeah. is a word very and, true. and some, yes. something that you have only only once a year and, and you you savour it. What do they eat with it in Switzerland? Well, well, you can either eat it as it is, and it does come in. Um, we we normally sell them when they're about the two kilo size, so we so it's a, like a cutting cheese. But most people uh -huh. know it as a small four hundred gram, six hundred grams mm. of cheese, and you either just open it up and start scooping it out with a spoon, or what's lovely is to bake it in the oven. Um, in the guy, in sort of in the guise of fondue, because you mm -hmm. sprinkle some white wine over it, you maybe put a oh. clove of garlic in it, and then it's in the oven for or at 200 degrees for about 25 minutes, and then you've got something to dip, dip potatoes and bread into. So that's mm. that's also this idea of people coming together and eating eating the same thing together. Um, and sharing it, which I think is also a kind of winter Christmas type That's of thing. That's a very food. nice point. Yes, that sharing. And this is the fun of being, you know, as with a fondue, of sort of being involved, you know, actively in what you're eating, you know, absolutely scooping, dipping. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah. And what, it's, what it's I think the, the point to make too is it's easy because um, a shared meal. If you're doing a fondue, everyone's doing it together. You're, you know, you, maybe you buy some potatoes beforehand and some bread, and you've got to cook those. But, but once everyone's here, you're all sitting around the table. You're all focused on the same same thing. There's someone stirring, someone's putting out the cornichon. You know, if you're if you're having Vacheron um, Montdoor, it comes out of the oven. It's very um, it's very easy. It's very easy for mm. a group of people. It's not that Lovely. you're slaving in the in the kitchen by yourself for two hours beforehand and then presenting something to people. I think that is one of the joys of cheese. Is such you know the work has been done for you. Exactly, you know, it is this exactly. wonderful thing, and it's interesting. People who work with cheese and who sell it that's, that comes up so often as one of the things that they love about it. It's just this beautiful simplicity of you know there's this one this wonderful food that's there and you can just enjoy it. It's so yeah in a very yeah, what a glorious thing. Yeah, I'm sort of like, I'm now absolutely craving both fondue <laughs> and vacheram hot door. <laughs> so, so it's been lovely to talk about winter cheeses. Thank you for transporting me. That's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. It's good to talk to you again. I hope, I hope I've given enough ideas to people. <laughs> I think you have. Well, you've certainly made me very, you've certainly given to me. So thank you, Rachel. Take care then. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Ciao. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Enhance your cheese board with Peter's Yard Sourdough Crackers this Christmas. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, petersyard.com and specialist food retailers. Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. 
If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.